Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Norman, Internet Marketing Manager here at BlackBot and your host for this nonprofit technology podcast. This is episode 25, the silver episode for April 7th, 2009. Exciting. Uh, Well, finally, uh, spring is upon us. So along with green grass and biting bugs and thumping (laughs) thunderstorms comes a widespread urge for renewal. I think we all feel that. You know, garage sales, spring cleaning, exercising, gardening, you know, they're all things we look at this time of year. You know, so why should our websites be left out of all the fun? So today we're going to discuss ways your nonprofit can renew and revitalize its website to attract and engage more supporters. So joining me today is Allison Van Dies, the Senior Marketing Manager for Blackbot Internet Solutions. Welcome back to the show, Allison. Thank you, Roger. Great to have you back. You were gone for a long time. That's two in a row. I'm back in the swing. I'm renewed. Yes. Just like spring. Oh, I see. Very clever. Very nice. You can check out Allison at twitter.com slash Allison Van Coming back as well is Danielle Brigida from, from the National Wildlife Federation. Welcome back, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you. How's the social media? Good to be back. How's the social media outreach going there? Uh, you know, you know, it's it's wonderful. It's still inspiring us all. It's really fun. Right. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yay, technology. Yes. <laughs> all right. And the uh, marquee guest for this episode, I'm pleased to have him here. Oh, good. That's right. That's quite a billing. Is uh, Michael Servino, the vice president of Beacon Fire Consulting. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you very much, Chad, for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate you could be on. Um, you can check out uh, his uh, their consulting practice at beaconfire.com, or you can follow Michael at twitter.com slash bfre. All right. Well, today I kind of wanted to talk about you know websites in general and sort of how we can spruce them up and sort of especially the homepage and sort of rejuvenate them this time of year. But I wanted to get a brief overview, Michael, if we could, about what Beacon Fire does and um, sort of what what services the organization provides to nonprofits. Sure. Uh, just very quickly, uh, Beacon Fire builds websites and online community and runs online campaigns and marketing programs for nonprofit organizations. Uh, we work with uh, groups like um, Free the Slaves and American Lung Association, Heifer International, among others, uh, in helping them kind of build their online community and build their online presence. We help with strategy, technology development, uh, interactive marketing. For a number of our clients, we're their interactive marketing agency, and we work with folks like BlackBot and others uh, to help put in place the technology solutions kind of behind what they're doing online uh, to help them really raise money advocate, build community, etc. Cool. I'm a Free the Slaves member. I didn't know that was y'all. That's a great site. Thank you. That's actually one of the ones I wanted to, when you talk about, you know, what websites are really getting it right in the mix of multimedia, making it really clear what they're about when you hit their homepage, how they get involved, and in the way that they're communicating with folks after that point, they've raised their hand to say, I'm interested and I want to help. Uh, Free the Slaves does a great job. Cool. Well, yeah, hopefully we'll get into that in a bit. I uh, kind of want to start from the beginning, though. And, uh, you know, it kind of seems like if you ask someone about their website, almost everybody hates their own website. I mean, does anybody, <laughs> I mean, seriously, does anybody ever really like their own website? This time of year, I think people are always looking for change. They're looking for uh, ways to just improve their lives, their businesses, and, and their websites, too. So, so Michael, when someone tells you that they need a new website, like, for instance, I saw you working with people at uh, South by Southwest in the Beacon Lounge. So when they tell you they need a new website, open up their laptop and and sit down next to you, um, what's the first thing you look for and start to discuss with them? Uh, first thing I ask them is, um, what are the one or two or three most important things that they want constituents to do uh, to support the organization? And then on that basis, help them reflect on how their uh, website is currently constructed, not just their homepage, but the, you know, the information subsections of the site, 
and how easy it is for people to get involved and really kind of look through and say, how is it that you are achieving or making it possible to achieve those objectives of getting people involved in, in those, you know, couple of ways that are the highest priority based on how your website's, you know, currently laid out. And oftentimes there's a big disconnect between the, the way that organizations want people to be involved with them and how much of the real estate on their site they really dedicate to inspiring people to take you know, those particular actions. When you're kind of looking at, you know, the geography of the homepage, you're saying that, you know, you'd encourage nonprofits to use a lot of the space for the calls to action that they want people to do, whether that's donate or participate in a community or be an advocate. Yeah, and also how they're using the content. You know, I think we're moving from an era, you know, five, five to seven years ago, everybody was really focused on let's have on our homepage the news about what's going on with our organization and you know a number of sites are a laundry list of links about what's happening in the program what uh, press releases folks have, have sent out and and the information consumer has changed quite a bit in that you know people want to understand what the organization is doing but even more importantly how can I help to help the organization get those things done so if there's not a really prominent clear simple story told on the homepage uh, in, in my view of what the organization does how you can get involved and what difference it's going to make I, I think that there's a you know real unused potential on the homepage real estate Danielle, how does uh, NWF drive people to your programs and your, your calls to action well you know we're actually undergoing a, a large um Web website redesign, and so I mean, a majority. I think only thirteen percent of our um, traffic goes to the homepage directly, wow. or something like incredibly low. low, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very low, and I think a lot of it is because we are really content rich. Okay. But I mean, and this is going to be blasphemous or something, but um, <laughs> our homepage is it's very competitive with the programs and it's yeah. not where we want it to be I mean, you know because we are a big tent organization and we have you know seven eight different audiences we're really mm-hmm. trying to get involved um, the homepage is not always the best way to come through and so you know especially with Google search and everything else um, we we see a lot of our traffic coming in to the specific site as opposed to from the homepage which tells us something but it's also you know kind of the way it's been working, and we will see where we go, I think. Well, you bring up a good point, um, though, we, about internal stakeholders and competing programs vying for that real estate on the homepage. How do they sort of find out what's important and then you know get them the proper coverage on the homepage? Sure, and it's a great issue that we're facing, particularly with the emergence of um, social media and social networks, that the word about your organization gets out there through people who are your evangelists or your ambassadors. And they're not going to talk about the homepage. Right. They're not going to share a link to the homepage. What they're sharing links to are, you know, pages that may be deep links into research, that may be specific campaigns that an organization is running, um, and or maybe blog mentions on another site that will eventually lead back to a deep, deep link on the site. We're seeing that same kind of shift of where the predominant volume of traffic coming through the front door there are now all kinds of side doors that people are coming through. So one of the things that we do is, you know, in working with an organization, is really take a look at where is traffic coming into the site? What are your highest traffic uh, pages? And and ask the question, are those aligned with what you want them to be? Um, it, it's, you know, we don't want to necessarily chase the traffic as it's coming in now as much as really understand where do we want people to be coming in, what doors, and then what, you know, promotions and outreach do we need to do through what communities to get that interest coming. 
Um, but this question still remains, and I, I, I think you'd agree that, you know, when somebody comes through that side door, what are they seeing when they get there? How much of that page is dedicated to stuff that's interesting, engagement activity or call to action for someone versus, you know, a very long, deep, rich, you know, tome of content, which I think more and more organizations are moving away from um, in order to uh, be able to really put forward very quickly, very cleanly, and very easily, no matter what level of the site uh, or sub-site or campaign site someone's coming through, here's what's important, here's what we're doing, here's how you make a difference, and those connections are very clear and easy to make. Yeah, and then looking for that, that balance between having the, the easy way to get done what you call them there to do versus you know, enticing them away because you certainly want that side door to be an avenue into the rest of the organization, but maybe not have them breeze right through it like the foyer, you know, and, and forget to do why you asked them to come by in the first place. That's where that's absolutely right. so helpful. That you got to make sure you're always looking back at what they're doing there and if it's being effective for the purpose that you set it up. That's right. And we do an, a bit of analysis. I know you, you do too at NWF of, you know, what, when, when people are coming in, what are their paths through the site or through the campaign? What can we be changing about the graphics, the design, the copy, the call to action to better guide people into the areas that we're interested in without throwing up barriers to folks kind of finding what they natively or organically may have wanted, uh, to come? Um, because, you know, there are still, we can't assume everybody's there to take that specific action. There is some marketing and convincing we need to do. So we don't want to create a barrier to folks who want to explore, but we also want to make sure that those, you know, those people who are motivated at, at the moment they're motivated, we're not throwing too many distractions uh, in front of them that, that get them sidetracked. Right. And actually, I mean, it's it's all about the user experience. And I think with what we've been doing with NWF is, you know, we've let our programs kind of convince us. I mean, you know, I think that the homepage is incredibly important real estate, but it's not worth the battling because if we lead people <laughs> in the right way, you know, it's it's something that would fall in engagement. And I think very often we don't, I mean, and it could just be NWF, but we're, we're definitely improving um, because we actually have like tested our homepage design with our members and everything else. And, um, but I think very often like the programs themselves will kind of segment people differently and put them into audiences that just may or may not be the case. Like it sounds like you kind of think we're straying away from content, but um, I actually think that we're like, we need a more robust content strategy um, not necessarily like turn it into a news site or anything like that, but we tend to split people up between our magazine readers and you know our program information readers, and we we need to figure out a way to like align them, mm-hmm. and we're doing that yeah. with our new content management system. Um, but it's it's something that's really important because like I mean it actually that stat that I gave you works very well with program staff because they're all fighting for the homepage, and the truth is the homepage gets a very small like amount of traffic compared to all of our other pages. I don't know, Daniel. I'd keep that so, to yourself because you could get some great candy bribes and other things <laughs> with uh, people. Using an opportunity. <laughs> well, I, I'm not actually on the web team, but uh, but our web team does have, like, but I think with having, like, a homepage that is very specific, it, like, inspires um, action and emotion, um, and then leaving the back pages to the content enriched, I think that that is kind of where we're headed because... We don't need to like sell the program staff our, our homepage space anymore, you know? So, 
I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting, and you always want to be thinking of the members you're trying to serve, and you want to engage them. Um, and at the same time, you're also trying to appease people on staff who are doing all this work that isn't getting a lot of attention. So, and for some reason, they think marketing ends at putting it on the homepage, which is not the case. So, <laughs> no, right. um, five years ago. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's amazing, like you know, we got to get this on the homepage and we got to do this. And it's like, okay, but keep in mind, you know, 13%. Right. Now, Michael, <laughs> is this something that you see, like, is a big organization at a disadvantage? We're talking about something like this because they have so many interests and so many sort of segments of their audience. I, there are absolutely differences between large multi-issue complex organizations. And NWF is absolutely one of those that, you know, in some cases, some traffic to programs, I imagine, is greater than at times than, than what you're getting to your homepage. There, there's a different kind of beast, if you will. And it does make it more complicated, but in some ways it doesn't. Um, you know, I think what you've contributed in terms of, yes, you've got rich content in niche areas. Um, and so you want to really highlight that, create entryways directly into that. For audiences, you know, for people who are motivated by a particular issue, that's what they're going to start or have their relationship with the organization or identify from a values perspective with the organization and want to engage. Smaller organizations um, or more narrow issue or, you know, simpler issue organizations that may not be as multifaceted in terms of the program that they work on, um, they, they do still see the majority of traffic coming in through the homepage. Um, and largely being, you know, delivered from search engines. That primarily has to do, in some cases, with that's where their freshest, newest content is. They are finding the trend toward we need to blow out subsections or campaign sites that support where we're doing campaigns on a very specific issue. You can't fully leverage the homepage in a way that you might want to both educate and engage people. And so there is a not a proliferation, but a growing number of, um, kind of sub-campaign sites or subsections that are much more specifically focused on a particular area of program. And it is a balancing act. It is much more complex for large institutions to come to agreement on, you know, what should be on the homepage. But case in point, that may not be the, the really important focus for time and attention. Rather, it's, you know, how do we build interest and dedication to a particular issue and have that be an on-ramp yep. um, for their overall interest in the organization. You know, smaller organizations are really focused on what is our primary message and our on-ramp. They have fewer channels they're communicating in. Um, they have you know, less diversity in their uh, integrated marketing program um, so that they have a simpler uh, you know, path to follow in driving initial interest and in retaining people that can be better facilitated through maybe fewer portions of the website or, or fewer online pieces of their web presence. Well, I know with our redesign, like we've definitely been going through through hoops, jumping through them because um, we have you know all these different people. We want to involve as many people both internally and externally as we can, but you know we don't want to politically step on anyone's toes or make anyone upset. And I think that it is actually in some ways like really easy to to look at like the free the slave site and think, oh wow, this is beautiful. NWF could never do this because if we focused on one of our programs for one of the things we did, you know, it would turn into a microsite, which, you know, right. is fine. But we would be upsetting people. And whether or not, you know, I mean, we would be upsetting our programs if we tried to make it very simple or if we only focused on one cause, it would make. So I, I think I think it's hard because as democratic as we try and be, maybe we need to, like, just focus on one thing that everyone can rally around, behind. But, right. I mean, it's... It's pretty difficult. And you look yeah. at, like, all the major 
either environmental or just large nonprofits. And in a lot of cases, unless it's like they all have, they only have one program or like three or four that are really, it's it's really hard to like their websites because they're they're costing you with information. The second <laughs> yeah, and, so. and that's right. And then there's uh, one one um, kind of organization I wanted to point out is, is share the share our strength. Isn't it isn't a kind of modality where share our strength? The organization is not very well known, but programs of theirs like Taste of the Nation and the Great American Bake Sale um, and the Great American Dine Out are well known as kind of fundraising programs. They call them platforms, and you know, for them to use their homepage. Um, as the, the the single point of interaction for all those programs is impossible. It, you know, it, it sort of you can't equally weight uh, each of these on the homepage and have it be an effective communication of who the organization and what it what it does. So they very much take the microsite approach. Um, and each of those properties, Great American Bake Sale, Great American Dine Out, Taste of the Nation, are represented on the homepage. But it's a quick one click into a very simple story told about that particular program and the key one, two, or three things that you, uh, you know, as a, as a visitor can do to learn or to engage. And I think that's the mode much more of that organizations are moving toward is how, how do we create a user experience that helps someone either get directly to uh, that kind of sub-issue or sub-program that they have the greatest affinity to. And, and, and then, you know, of course, how do we make sure that our core navigation, whether it's the homepage or sub-page navigation, you know, depending on what point they enter into, introduces them to the broader spectrum of what we can do and makes it easy for them to find and engage in other areas where they might be cross-sold. That's the big challenge that I think larger organizations with more diverse programs have is kind of making a really simple user experience possible for a set of what might be very complex or numerous issues in which they work. Now, where does a sort of dynamic content fit into all this where, you know, you know who the user is or maybe you know something about them, like where they're located, um, whether they've been to your site before, and you can sort of like, you know, parse out content and chunks of content based on that information. Is that becoming more prevalent or is that sort of not something you can really use for this because they have to be logged in or the technology is is definitely there and and has been there um, the the barrier has been that the users have not really stepped forward to go right. there um, that for and I, I think you can make a or we have done the the analysis of um, different types of charities advocacy groups and associations and it, it's a very kind of different answer for for each of those classes among others. Um, you know, for for most charities, that the individuals are, are you know not stepping forward and personalizing their website experience with their username and their preferences. They're interested in more the transactional history, um, looking at where dollars went, uh, have their contributions been received. They want to give again, and they want that you know form filled out for them with their information. Uh, that tends to be it until you start to slide into advocacy where community, people are interested in engaging in community in talking about issues that they care about or taking action uh, and engaging in actions on, on issues that they care about. And in that case, yes, they are interested in that content. But they want that, we find, to be presented more because they've clicked into that issue rather than they've logged in and they're getting served up. Association and membership groups are, are kind of a completely different animal in that they, those are more business user communities who have very particular interests that they do want to receive more personalized content. We found, you know, that about eight to nine percent 
uh, of non-association uh, uh, repeat visitors will actually create a, a login um, in order to take advantage of that personalized content. Otherwise, and even through focus groups and quantitative surveys that we have uh, been a part of, the majority of users expect that the organization will put forward in a particular issue the most relevant and up-to-date information that they need to know. Right. And I mean, I'm interested if your sort of on-the-ground experience at NWF or with other, you know, with other clients is, is bearing that out, um, uh, or if uh, if the market's moving faster in terms of the constituents wanting to create that kind of, you know, username and, and login. I think that's really interesting. I, I tend to agree with you. I think that, that users are still wanting that dynamic content experience, but they are expecting it um, through kind of a multi-channel approach that might drive them to a highly targeted landing page versus being prepared to sort of browse around, log in, and have the site dynamically react to who they are. Um, so it sort of goes back to everything that we've been talking about, that balance between you know, creating compelling messages, giving somebody a very targeted place to land to get more of the information they've already expressed interest in, either by clicking through or, you know, hitting a landing page or, or whatever, um, and then still trying to figure out what the balance is on the homepage to welcome all comers um, without overwhelming them or being so generic that, that you don't engage. So but, uh, that's a great, very interesting stat, that 8 to 9% um, of non-association clients logging in. Uh, and that's eight, about eight to nine percent of repeat visitors right. would take that would take that step of, of creating a user profile um, in in order to get personalized content. Now that's that, what's interesting. That's that's very different when you ask the question of would you you know would you do that in order to get more tailored and personalized email communications or uh, RSS feed information um, or other types of push. Uh, communications, and you know that that's where, in some ways, the advent of the social network is so powerful. Um, whether it's an application the organization's hosting themselves, or one that they're you know they're kind of doing work in Facebook or or, or other platforms, is you know th- that is not a one. Th- those are not kind of one size fits all. One piece of content fits for everybody's interests, and and where I, I think the practices and techniques of how do you personalize your communications with a large volume of constituents that you have, particularly in a third-party platform, to make the, that really relevant for them is still com- sort of completely on mine territory. How, how does that 8 to 9% stat overlap with people that will log in for the convenience of having forms auto-populate for them? Is that encompassing all those people, or is that sort of a separate look at, at the login phenomenon? That's a separate look at the login phenomenon um, and looking at the question of, you know, where people will log in so their information is pre-populated. It was was interesting. This is a a study that we did just a little while ago for a client that there is an assumption if I click through on an email that the form would be pre-populated. So that the expectation I have to log in, you know, and have a username and a password is, is a much higher barrier than... Um, for someone to kind of engage and want to give up the, or manage that information um, than having cookied them because they raised their hand and said, I want your site or your organization to remember me, um, which is more of a cookie-based right. function. Um, so the convenience factor is very high. And so looking at technologies where if you've interacted once and left that data trail and we can you know, safely and securely tag kind of who you are um, and be able to provide back to you, you know, some of that, facilitation of future actions you want to take, 
uh, people have a very high regard for that. But when you ask the question of, you know, if you have to create a username and a password in order to get that or other personalized function, very few people will really want to go that extra step. It's interesting that the, that statistic also jives with the 99 and 1 rule of 90% um, lurkers, you know, 9% people actively engaged in a community yeah. and 1% power users. You know, it's just, it's just weird that that's always kind of the same across the board. I, I just, when is that going to change? When is it going to be 80, 20? You know, I mean, we're, we're so far, you know, through the looking glass here with social media and online communities. Uh, that's got to change eventually. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, you did mention um, social media briefly, and I did want to touch on that as well as far as like maybe a homepage strategy. Like where does social media fit in on a homepage? And um, I, I know that all social media needs to start with a strategy before you jump into tools, but let's just say you have a strategy and a couple of programs. Is that how you tie in social media to your homepage? Do you tie it in with a program? Um, do you add it to your contact information? Um, I mean, I think it depends on your organization. Like I know actually Beacon Fire helped out Infocom International, which happens mm-hmm. to be my mom is the director of education and marketing there, and, um, and so I know like they they're dabbling in social media. My mom is on Twitter. There are some like things, but um, never heard for the most part, that, you know, my, my mom is yeah, on Twitter. Well, <laughs> only Danielle. and my grandpa just joined Facebook. So, nice. <laughs> um, Sorry to Go ahead. but anyway, so you know, I've been. Like, I know for a fact that, like, they they aren't, like, well built out with social media. And so it would be redundant um, or, I mean, just, you know, kind of fragmenting to, to push them to social media sites right now. Um, with NWF, I think, and, you know, looking at our redesign and everything else, um, I, I don't know if it if it goes on the homepage or if, I mean, I, I think it's something that, it's up to you and, you know, looking at like free the slaves, like they have little buttons you can click on and go places. And I think that's great. Um, but if your homepage can engage them with all the content, you may want to leave it and then just put it where it's, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I, and I, I don't know that there is a set answer. I think you, you said it right. It kind of depends on your organization, but we'll, bo- we, we tend to boil our thinking down to the two, kind of core questions, right? Uh, is uh, What do we need to do to acquire constituents um, in, our, in social media? And, and I'll think more social network than, than, than social media because they're, they're a little bit right. different. But we want to build, build a following of constituents for a social network or for social media and a, a group of collaborators. So there's the acquisition step. And then there's the second step of, you know, we want to retain and, and further engage and deepen the relationship that we have with these folks. And ultimately, you know, most, are, most organizations are looking at that from community-contributed content or community-contributed engagements. That the, the community itself is not a top-down act, but it's a, it's a peer-to-peer, um, it's, a, it's a group engagement. So when, when we ask the question, you know, what needs to be or should be on your homepage with respect to social media um, and, and social network, uh, it, it, we look at it and say, is this serving the purpose of helping to acquire people within the social network or social media effort? Um, or is this uh, a demonstration of kind of retaining and re-engaging people? Because frankly, most of the interactions are happening within the social network platform itself. Right. And that the homepage is a, is a thin, you know, is a window into that activity. Um, 
that for an NWF with only 13% of the traffic going through the homepage, you know, how big does that window need to be if, in fact, a far, far greater number of people are going to be introduced and retained and engaged, you know, in a, in a different way, in a different, in a different medium? Um, so, uh, you know, what, what we've tended to do is really focus on that question of how, how important strategically is the acquisition in balance with the retention of folks who you want to either grow or engage in that medium and how much homepage real estate should be allocated to that strategy uh, versus level of effort focused in the medium itself uh, in order to acquire and bring people in. I think eventually it will end up on the homepage. Part of my thing is that I'm kind of worried about, you know, like I want people to have conversations and with each other and kind of grow a relationship after, like outside of NWF, but still under the NWF umbrella or something. Um, so I like the idea of linking to it, but I'm also, you know, if I link to everything I want to, I'm worried I'm I'm building communities that I may not be able to handle. <laughs> like, I don't know. So no, that, that, you're trying to control, but it, you know, if you put it out there, then it sort of implies that you are paying attention. Yeah, it's not necessarily I want to police right. it, but it's just you know, it's something where. I mean, I know that these things happen, they change all the time and they're always updating. And, you know, a homepage is easy enough to update. But if you're spending a lot of time building a Facebook or a MySpace group, in MySpace, you know, we have 25,000 people there. But that's probably not the most visited, right. <laughs> um, you know, social network anymore. And I'm just, so as much as I want the conversation and the communities to exist outside of NWF, I worry that linking to them means then I, I'm bound to that. Right. And I don't know. It's just very, it's it's something that I, I tackle or I like. You don't want your homepage to write a check that your uh, <laughs> actions can't cash, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Nice. Well, I kind of want to talk a little bit too about um, common mistakes before we get to what organizations are doing it right. What do you, uh, what sort of mistakes do you see nonprofits make a lot on their homepage? Uh, and again, I think I would make it, given the context of the conversation we've been having, uh, and the recognition that uh, an organization's web presence is about more than just their home. Oh yeah, sorry, I keep, I keep um, forgetting to frame it bigger. Than that's that. okay. That's okay. So, so what what are some of the you know what are some of the the, the issues? Uh, you know, one is uh, the clarity and the user friendliness of navigation, um, and that's an information architecture issue uh, that. You know, how how navigation, whether it's um, you know sections of the site, call to action, you know uh, buttons or or, or uh, content modules, and uh, on the homepage or on subpages, um, how those are labeled and ensuring you know making sure that they're labeled in very user friendly ways. I think the more you know progressive organizations, a la kind of Web 2.0 progressive, you know, are very focused on user centric labels for uh, their issues and for getting into their information. Um, you know, we're working with a number of organizations right now whose navigation is still their, um, or we're in the midst of redesigning because their navigation is still based on what their departments are. Um, so, you know, thinking up front about, you know, what is, what are we, what kinds of users are we expecting? Or are we going to be driving through our marketing? And in their minds, what should things be called? That, that's one. Um, number two is the core issue of allocating ho- your your real estate on a homepage and then your your subsections um, and even campaign sites appropriately to the priority actions that that a your users want to take with you um, and that was uh, you know something with with Infocom and and Anova Systems that we've done a very different kind of user from your traditional advocacy or, or charity 
um, that you know folks are coming to look for information on providers or coming to look for information on conferences or and so we've got to have that space but then the second part of making sure you're prioritizing what you want people to be engaged in, which may sometimes be, you know, not exactly what they want to come to uh, to do or to learn or to read. Um, so being just very, very thoughtful and strategic about, I have a limited amount of attention and space uh, to to really drive people deeper into uh, reading, being informed, and ultimately acting on behalf of my organization. So designing what those flow paths are that are most likely going to achieve the outcomes that are the intersection of what you want and what your what your users want. I think those tend to be the, the top two, um, you know, aside from kind of design and and uh, you know friendliness of, of graphics and copy. Um, you know, in many ways sometimes less is more, uh, particularly as um, you know we're doing more and more design for folks with mobiles and and, and handhelds. Um, that, uh, you know, being able to deliver your sort of web experience um, on an iPhone uh, or a Trio um, or it becomes the, the thing we need to really start thinking about, if not already implemented. Yeah, that's definitely too. Yeah, too much text is something I see a lot. I mean, yeah. especially from a, you know, a group of people that are, you know, most often scanning what's on your page and not reading, uh, devoting all that real estate to words is probably not that great of a strategy. I mean, I... I agree with everything that's being said actually because I think I know with NWF like we had an actual I think we had a better website in 2001 than we do now which is sad <laughs> but um but we you're had a fantastic you're being too hard on yourself <laughs> no no well, no what did we I start had, to show I, everybody hates their website <laughs> well no no like I I think we have a fantastic web team now and you know they are they are doing amazing things we are actually I mean, I've gotten to watch, like, watch them make the wireframes and they've included me in, like, the future media sites and everything. And I think it's going to be amazing. Um, but it's a huge undertaking. And yeah. in 2001, we had a really nice site, in my opinion. And, um, it, but it was so full of information. And then it went through, the web went through this whole thing where, oh, we can only have, like, five words per web page. And, you know, it has to be so simple and it has to be, and we, we took down a ton of information. Um, off the website or we moved it and um, and we made we put everything into funnels which was not I mean in my opinion not the best idea because the funnels weren't thought out from a user perspective um, logically yeah. so so it was it was really interesting because looking back over we're putting more text in we're making it I mean a lot of it is just SE, like SEO nitpicking on my part and it's like no pop-ups, no this, no that, you know, like none of that um, because we want to be searchable and more and more I find myself like every time I want to find something, I don't bother looking through the architecture all the time if it's a complex website. I'll just type it in search and I think more and more like people are getting used to that with Google and everything. So I don't know. I think, I think um, a lot of organizations – um, are doing things right, but very often there are mistakes where you've got either too little content or it's crazy and it overwhelms people. All good stuff. Let's let's yeah. leave them on something positive. If if our if our listeners want to go like see who's doing it right, who, who's really got it going, oh, who's got game, where should they go? Well, let's just say that NWF site will make you want to go outside, which is what we want yes. people to do. So well, I, 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 I love to point people to Wildlife Watch on your site, which is this yeah, Wildlife great. Watch and actually Garden for Wildlife is an awesome 
redesigned page right. two. Um, it's just nwf.org slash garden for wildlife, and it's got all these tips and gardening things. It's really cool. Uh, I, I've mentioned two two of my my favorites, um, uh, Free the Slaves, which was actually a collaboration with Blackbot and, and Beaconfire, um, and ma- mainly because we r- rarely get the opportunity. I think it's fair to say this to to do something really edgy and very very focused on a on a single story to tell. And so, in, in some ways, they may be you know more of an example of an anomaly than than uh, the norm. Um, but uh, you know, to be able to to be able to really break free of some of the classic creative constraints, but also, you know, forward looking in, in the integration of multimedia and community. I thought, I think that's, that's a fine example. Um, another example that, that I, I like quite a bit that we, you know, is kind of NRDC and Conservation International as two organizations that have come from having very complex, sophisticated, uh, very complex sophisticated set of issues and difficulty kind of communicating who they are and what they do um, to reinventing themselves in a more clear and uh, concise way for constituents and the, the, the sort of way that they have used their sites, both having the homepage, but also, you know, campaign pages be entry points into the organization. Um, I think the before and after, if you were to look at the Wayback Machine for both of those um, sites and then and then what they have today, uh, they kind of pioneered a, a, a new way for organizations to think about how to use the space in a visually compelling and attractive, but also a storytelling way um, that I see more and more organizations picking up on. Um, there's a third that I think is a different kind of organization than we have talked about. Um, I personally really like the the new United Way design um, for for their site. Um, in that it immediately conveys the, what the heart of the organization is and gives you very quick access into different profiles of how you can be involved with the organization um, without uh, w- without kind of completely clouding the navigation into core parts of their program for repeat users. And I, I think that's something that you always kind of need to balance um, is, uh, you know, how do we present our organization to new people who are looking, uh, researching us, uh, who are getting engaged for the first time, and how do we, you know, and balance that with making sure we're facilitating navigation and engagement uh, for people who are, you know, the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth time, you know, f- coming to find certain information. Um, so those are those are a couple that I think do it really well. I think that the trend across all of them, uh, which speaks probably more to me as a person um, and what I prefer, uh, they are very visual. They are very iconographic. Um, it's easy to sort of scan and find your way in um, on the homepage itself, but also, you know, digging into the subsections of the site, it, it's really easy to pop back around. Uh, I kind of wanted to mention South by Southwest just why uh, we were all on the line. I know, Allison, you weren't there, but uh, nobody let me talk about it on the last show because I was the only one that was there. And uh, What did you guys think of the event? I, I, I've been telling people here that uh, I was really blown away by how uh, big the nonprofit presence was. And that's something I didn't expect. And not only did the numbers suggest that, which I heard, you know, a thousand out of eleven thousand or whatever, but it seemed like a lot of the in the regular sessions they were talking about some of the nonprofit work because there's been so much success with social media. I just wanted to get your comments on the overall, you know, nonprofit presence South by Southwest, and if people should consider sending sending people there next year. You know? I strongly recommend it. I'll be honest. This was my first South by Southwest. Uh, I've wanted to go in past years and just never been able to to do it, um, and and this time really committed the time. Um, I, I, I think South by Southwest is, is definitely a good investment for organizations who are more, honestly, more on the cutting edge um, and, and pushing the envelope on their program or trying to push the envelope on their program 
um, than it is as a kind of uh, uh, you know online 101 or even 201 education um, because uh, a lot of what's covered in South by Southwest is the more avant-garde, if you will, part of what's happening on the web. Um, so, but I, you know, I think anyone who's really passionate about the, the space that we work in, it is, you know, really the best conference that's not only, you know, kind of nonprofit, but much more broader than that to understand what's happening in the larger context with this medium. Um, I, I think that the, one of the things that was great about the conference is having a couple of different organizing spaces, um, the Beacon Lounge being one of them, um, the a couple of different events, dinners, and and cocktail parties that that folks had thrown to gather the nonprofit folks together. I think it just reached a critical mass um, that we were able to share ideas. I honestly had more stimulating conversation about the what is possible on the web kind of discussions with organizations at South by Southwest, and I've you know had in in a number of different conference conferences. Um, NTC, which is coming up at the end of April, is also always very very good for that. Um, uh, but this was this was uh, extraordinary in that way. Yeah, one of the things I heard, I think they were talking about this on either either Dignation or Twit or something like that, where um, one of the big differences of this conference is, you know, you go to an, another conference, it's a lot of executives or, you know, vendors, and I hate to say it like this, but people taking credit for other people's work. And when you go to South by Southwest, you're actually dealing with all the people that do the work. Kind of got a sense that everybody there was actually, like, really engaged with this stuff and actually on the ground, you know, writing code or, you know, running social media programs, blogging, whatever it may be. It, yeah, I, I, I felt that as well. I mean, you had the folks who, who are really hands-on day-to-day and trying to figure out how to make this work. And I think that's a bent of South by Southwest, that it's the practitioner's who were there and the, the more uh, kind of advanced and edgy practitioners who were there. Um, uh, folks like Danielle. Right. Um, that <laughs> That were there, you know, that were there teaching and learning. I think that was the other thing about the, the conference that was really great was, you know, everybody was open to learn. There was just kind of a different vibe to what people were there to do um, that, that I think was really interesting. You know, I really liked it because it was unique. It wasn't... Um it, it almost took a more artistic approach to everything. Like people felt mm-hmm. like they could be really creative with the panel design yeah, right. and just, I mean, and I could be saying that because I was on a poetry slam and I never thought I'd be on one of those, but, um, <laughs> but you know, you it's great, funny because, <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, you know, it was, it's funny because all of the, all of the panels that I went to, it wasn't just looking at the tool, but it was looking at how social media can make things almost more beautiful or more like, you know, more useful or more, I don't know. It, it was really actually very neat um, and very strange. It really did feel like a geek spring break, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and you got to speak at it, too. I was teasing you about, you're, you're checking all the things off your geek checklist, right? Like you, a front page of Digs, pretty speak much. at South by Southwest. I'm just a, I know, I can, I, you know, <laughs> retire now and yeah. give up my computer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, so uh, I think no. Michael, you mentioned uh, NTC briefly. I mean, I think uh, are we all speaking at NTC? I think all four of us are. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. Michael, you're doing a yeah. session on wh- where are they? What are they doing online? Is that right? That's right. It, it, it's a session uh, built around and, and kind of jumping off from a chapter that I wrote for NTC's NTN's uh, newest book, uh, Managing Technology to Meet Your Mission. Uh, which uh, Holly Ross, uh, Katrine Verklaas, and Allison Levine were the editors for. There's about 11 different chapter 
uh, chapters and authors, um, each who kind of took a different slice of this question of how do you manage technology for your nonprofit. And the, the chapter that I wrote was on um, how to uh, really find uh, you know, who would support you and, and, and forging strategies for in doing the, both the research and the techniques in the research, but, uh, some on then how do you, you know, how do you use that information to draw people in as well as the nuts and bolts and core of analytics for folks who are already engaging with you, whether it's in your website or email or your social networks and some suggestions for tools and techniques for, uh, keeping on top of those analytics. So I'm, I'm excited. I got a couple of good, uh, panelists. Um, who are going to be working with me to do a real hands-on how do you do this research yourself uh, as as an organization with maybe limited budget or limited time, um, and you know what are you know more kind of PhD level ways to to crack the same the same analytical problem. Very cool. Um, do you know anything about Eve's session that she's doing with Ali? Uh, it's called This is Iron Chef Battle Nonprofit. <laughs> yes, this is a really exciting collaboration. Um, uh, Eve and Ali, uh, Eve is our creative director and Ali is our director of online campaigns and marketing, have put together with uh, Free Range Graphics and uh, Forum One, um, a, a, uh, uh, there is a special nonprofit organization. They are the secret ingredient. Okay. And um, we, and uh, Firefly uh, partners uh, are the four groups. Uh, there's a special ingredient, which is a nonprofit organization in the San Francisco area, and uh, each of the firms contributed three staff members who spent a weekend together in a matrix team, so one person from each organization, uh, to come up for that nonprofit with a new website design, a social media strategy, uh, and a fundraising wow. strategy. Wow. So they're going to present the kind of how the process went and then uh, pitch to the group the three uh, different outcomes and the group that attends that session, I believe, will kind of vote on their favor. Whoa, that's so cool. awesome idea. You need to pitch out for South by Southwest next year. That's we did, and they didn't oh, pick okay. it up. All right. Sorry it, to bring that we up. pitched it this year, and, and they, uh, they they passed us over for the Poetry Slam, which I have to say was, was probably a yeah. fine thing. I guess so. It's a win-win there. Sorry. <laughs> go, Gosh. I had nothing to do with it. It's Beth Cantor. <laughs> she's, uh, she's the Braves. Yeah. I saw there's an article about, uh, fa- you know, you're nobody if you're not fake uh, on Twitter. And the um, the graphic for the whole article was the Edgar Allan Poe profile. Really? Yeah, which I think started, didn't that start like right before South by Southwest? Because we thought maybe somebody you Yeah, knew. it started, it, they started following right. me. Edgar Allan okay. Poe, like an hour before I presented, and I was like, "How do they even know?" And then I kind of was convinced it was one of my friends. Right. So, right. might actually be, but I don't nice. know. Nice, sounds good. All right, uh, Michael, do you have anything for our audience? Uh, I just as a spring cleaning thing, one of the uh, things to to uh, sort of note: um, it, there's a couple of different sessions at South by, or excuse me, at NTC if you're going. Um, but also some uh, things that uh, we're, we're doing online about um, if you need to give yourself a facelift, uh, uh, you know, how to really relook at your homepage and recarve out key areas of, of creative uh, so that they work harder for you um, is something that we've uh, been working on with a couple of organizations as well as kind of checking out your back end as you get into spring. Uh, how are your, your analytics set up? And uh, so we've got a couple of things, case studies that we've just put up on our website about that. Great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
Got to gotta have your front end and your good back advice. end ready good for advice. summer. That's right. So definitely check that out at uh, beaconfire.com. And, uh, we're really glad to have you on the show today, Mike. I hope you'll come back. I would love to. This, is, this has been yeah, great. We, it's been delightful uh, kicking around thoughts yeah, with you Yeah, nice. we'll definitely want to do a big uh, NTC wrap-up uh, show. Maybe maybe even uh, you know, the Tuesday after the event. So um, definitely uh, maybe have you back for that. We'll try to get, it, we'll try to get a 10-person panel. We'll try to break the record. There we go. Nice. Great. Well, again, nice. thanks for being on the show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, Danielle, do you have anything uh, for the audience? Just check back this summer. We're going to have a new website. <laughs> um, it's going to be awesome. Save, save the date. Save the date. Save the date. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, no, I'm, come find me at NTC. That's the only thing. I, I'm going to be all over the place. Cool. So. Well, find her at, uh, online at twitter.com slash starfocus. And then to NTC from Yes. Cool. All right. So, well, that does it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank our guests, Allison Van Deest, Danielle Brigida, and Michael Servino. It's been a great show. You can keep up with the podcast and other webby things by following me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Chad Norman or by checking out my blog at blackbod.com slash webby things. If any of you listeners have feedback, please send us an email at thebodcast at blackbod.com. Until next time, I'm Chad Norman, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Feel free to continue to work if somebody's talking about something really long. Maybe they're going to be bored. All right. We don't want to mind. I, I assume that goes the other way around, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elson is giving the evil eyes, by the way. <laughs>